0: I know for me, I grew up in a very traditional church, Um, we fit in the square peg perfectly because we were a square peg, and uh, I grew up with the natural custom, you know, uh, well, where we would, you know, have flour or cassage or something to give away to the mom, and we'd ask all the moms, you know, they'd ask all the moms to stand, and And then they'd say, well, who's the youngest mom? Who's the oldest mom? And uh, who has the most children here? And uh, that's the normal cycle of Mother's Day. Anybody ever lived through one of those? All right. Well, what happened was I began to realize when we planted Family of Grace Church at how painful of an experience that really was. Because when you really got out of the safety net, of safe environments where everybody spoke the same language and looked the same and uh had the same background. Uh that's a pretty safe environment that came out of the fifties when homes were still together and uh tragedy and stuff didn't run amok quite as it it does today. And so we began to realize, wow, you know what? Uh Mother's Day was uh, uh set aside uh to honor the mothers who had the badge of honor that came to uh, church that day, maybe with something on their dress because one of the kids spit up to them, on them on the way. Somebody who had, you know, to honor the mothers who had stayed up all hours of the night, uh, kind of like my wife did the last night with our child who's sick, not able to be here for Mother's Day. I'll give a shout out to you watching on the internet today, Ella. And... uh so as we think about this, uh, it was a day that was set aside for that, and it was a great thing. Uh, we, Father's Day got one by default, you know, I mean, you just couldn't honor the Mother's Day and not honor the dad, so we get a default day in June, and uh, as you know, there wasn't nearly as much hype in church about the Dad's as there was the Mom's, can I get a witness? And so as we think about this, uh, but we begin to realize when we plan family in Grace Church, Wow. As much as this is a celebratory day, it's also a heavy day. I began to realize that this is one day that a lot of women skip church because of that very reason, because they're asked to stand and there's the mom who was anticipating Mother's Day and, and all of a sudden had a miscarriage and, and now doesn't uh have to have doesn't have a child. Now she who from the bottom of her heart desires a child or a single person who is thinking uh maybe like my wife was, uh 36 years old, before she met anybody. uh, So I think, Lord, will I ever be married? Will I ever have children? And this whole thing. And then children that uh, may be living prodigal or a child that was lost or or those things. And so we began to realize at Family of Grace that Mother's Day is actually almost a very heavy day for a lot of people. And so we want to honor mothers and we want to come along beside uh, every lady who is on the mission to be what God has in store for them to be, and in order for you to be the mother that God has for you to be, uh, in order for you to, uh, and, and the Bible says a lot about mothers. Matter of fact, uh, I mean, women got their whole chapter in in, in the Bible. I mean, Proverbs thirty one. I mean, if you ever have you ever seen uh, uh, the proverb? There, there, there's no Proverbs thirty two, man. It ended with Proverbs 31, woman, the virtuous woman. Who can find the virtuous woman? Yeah, I'm not going to preach on that today, but, I mean, women are so important, they got their whole book, their whole, I mean, their whole chapter in the book of Proverbs. And so, in order for those women to live up to that Proverbs 31 role model, and in order for those moms to make it through parenting, to get through grade school, to get through high school, and, and, uh. Uh, You know, in order to get through those transitions in life, to overcome the empty nest, you can either overcome the empty nest by one or two ways. You can either uh, get over it and enjoy it, your freedom, figure out who you and your husband really are again now without your life revolving around children. Or you can just have another generation of kids like us. And so then the nest is never really empty until it's too old to matter. Amen? And so, uh, anyway... I have to just keep finding humor in that. And so, but then today, you know, as we think about this and we connect these dots and we see what it is that God really and truly is trying to do, to be the person that God's called you to be, you have to live a life of no longer I. To remain faithful to God when when you have a miscarriage, to remain faithful to God when your spouse leaves you or your children come home and they have an addiction, to to remain faithful to God, uh, to remain a good parent, in perilous times, you have to live a life of no longer I. And so, I thought about this this morning in the or, or this week in the book of Exodus. Who was uh, who was the one of the greatest examples of a mother who had a no longer I mentality? And I found her in the in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews in Hebrews chapter eleven and verse twenty three. You may find that passage of Scripture where it says. And Moses' mother, and Moses' parents, actually, when they saw that he was a beautiful child, did not fear the king's command. And they protected their child. And so I looked at that, and we, let's just go back to the book of Exodus and kind of unpack that a little bit this morning, if we can. In the book of Exodus, you find this story uh, in chapter 2, and look with me, if you would, in verse 1. Now, a man from the family of Levi married a levite woman and the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son gave birth to a son there's three things we see right here in this passage of scripture we see a, a, we see here very clearly a daughter a mother and a wife a daughter a mother and a wife and most of the time uh all of these are one Every mother has connected in many of these capacities. And so in this passage of Scripture, we see everybody who is here today has a mom. I was on my way to pick up Buddy this morning, and I saw this group of uh, uh, knuckleheads sitting out on the street side. And I wanted to pull over and say, now every one of you got a mama, go home and find her. They were sitting out there, probably uh, recovering from last night. Here's the reality is that in this passage of scripture she was a daughter before she was a mother and she was a wife before she was a mother now when we think about this we begin to connect these dots and so in here we see that she became pregnant gave birth to a son and she saw that he was beautiful and she hid him for three months but when she could no longer hide him she got reeds and and uh Uh, began to make a basket to conceal him and she coated it with asphalt and pitched it and, and made a little ark and put her baby in that little ark and sailed him down the river. Now the first thing that we see in this passage of scripture is a mother's love. A mother's love. When she saw the baby when she saw the baby that was it. One of the things that helped today in and stemming the tide against abortion is a great uh technology that we have with ultrasounds and now before a lot of times they try to get the young ladies to do an ultrasound with the 3d technology and and realize they can see that baby in in their in, in her womb and, and and you see the facial components i'm telling you it's pretty eerie. I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some way out there stuff. And so, when we look at this, you begin to see this great technology, and what happens is, when they see the baby, and they feel the baby, and now all of a sudden, it's, it's not just a, a blob, but it's a person, all of a sudden, that alone is beginning to turn the tide for abortions. And that's kind of what happened with Moses. I mean, they didn't have an ultrasound, <laughs> But when she looked in that baby's eyes and saw how beautiful he was, something changed. It was a mother's love. There was that mother's connection. And what happened here was during the time that Pharaoh was fearful that the Hebrews would have more children than them and outnumber them. And then when they would outnumber them, they could come back and overthrow them. And then they would become those in bondage instead of the Hebrews. And so what they did was, there was a Pharaoh, if you go back to Exodus chapter 1, it says there was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. You see, time had passed too far. See, for all this time, Joseph, if you go back to the book of Genesis, saved the nation of Israel. And so they carried the nation of Israel on Joseph's back. But when time had passed enough that the story of Joseph had went away, this Pharaoh said, I'm no longer going to bless the people of Israel because up to that point, it had not been real bad. He started working them harder, being more, uh, being a, a harder person to deal with with them. But then he began to kill all of their male children so that they would not be able to continue to reproduce and outnumber them. You know, we're seeing a lot of that today. I was thinking about this week, uh, looking at some stuff, dealing with the Constitution and uh, today, how so much in our world is, 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 is from politicians on down or trying to implement things that are contrary to the Constitution that birthed our country. And people are saying, well, how in the world could this be? How could they want to change such a wonderful document? I can tell you how. Too much time has passed. They don't honor what was honored anymore. And just like with Joseph, a Pharaoh rose up who knew not Joseph. We have presidents and political leaders now who have risen up out of a different realm. They come out of a different mold. They come out of a different model. And therefore, they don't treasure what was once treasured that our country was built upon. And so they treasure the mindset of themselves. And so here's what was happening. They were killing these babies like everyone they would find. They would kill them, they would kill them, they would kill them. But when Moses' mother saw this baby, she said, I'm not giving him up. I'm not giving up my baby boy. I'm not letting him go. And I want you to know that she began to do what was not being done by all the other mothers. See, all the other mothers said, well, it's too late. And they would just, the the Egyptians would come in and they would pull their babies out of their arms and take them out there and massacre all of these baby boys. But not the mother of Moses. She looked into his eyes and she said, you know what? I believe my baby has a purpose. I believe my baby has a greater plan than what... what the Pharaoh of Egypt says my baby has something more for him than to be murdered as a child and so this mother's love compelled her compelled her to go and begin to build an ark because she knew she kept him there till she could no longer contain him, the Bible says. That when the baby would begin to cry and she couldn't contain the cry anymore, she was fearful that they would hear the baby come in and pull the baby out and then kill him. So what she did was she went out there and she began to cut these little reeds down and gather up the material to make a little ark. Now think about that for just a moment. You see, not only do we see a mother's love in this passage of Scripture, but we see a mother's struggle. But this mother's struggle said her struggle compelled her to live a life greater than herself. Any mother that's worth being honored today has lived a life of no longer I. Isn't it amazing that she's always the last one who ser- is served? Isn't it amazing she's the one who wants that last piece of pie, but another child who's already had a piece of pie ends up getting the piece of pie that was going to be mama's piece of pie? I mean, you're picking up what I'm putting down. The mother seems to always be the one who's always at the end. And so we know that mothers have struggle, but think about this struggle. She was out there cutting down these reeds, knowing every one that she would cut, she would fashion a little, a little water vessel to place her son in, crocodile infested waters. Because she believed in something greater than what the world said. Today what we need is women to rise up from the mediocrity of this world and believe what God says about you. Believe what God says about your children and quit believing what the world says about your children. Quit buying in to this mediocrity of carnality that we're living in and say, you know what, God, I believe what you say. I'm standing on your promises. I'm believing in your strength. I believe that you are greater than anything this world has to offer. Today it's amazing whenever we see the epidemic of of children that are coming into the world and many of them are celebrated, many of them are planned, many are unplanned. And because they're unplanned, many children are aborted. Therefore, when we have mothers who are willing to take an unplanned child and embrace the struggle and say, you know what, I believe that God has a purpose and has a plan for this child. It's our place, it's our position as the body of Christ to come along beside them, surround them and walk through that journey with them them today what God is doing in our hearts and our lives is interesting because we have mother's loves but we have the struggles in the same way but what's interesting about this passage of scripture is not just the struggle that takes place as you know parenting is a struggle being a mother is a struggle but Moses mother had to develop a plan that she had to put faith in my question for you today is mom's Is this, are you being a mother in a way that you have to have faith in your mothering strategy? If your mothering strategy does not require a supernatural ginormous dose of faith, it's too small. It's too plain. It's too ordinary. I am telling you that our our strategy, our strength as a mother, our strength as a mother has to be God, that the plan for my children, the plan for my life would be greater than anything that I could do in my ordinary strength, but that we would believe in, cling to, and rely on God and His plan and His provision to be victorious. As husbands, as the father of these children, today I wonder, do we support a plan like that? Do we support a plan like that? Do we support that plan? Do we walk along beside the mom? Do we walk along beside the mother of our children and say, we're believing God for something bigger than we could ever imagine? One thing that was great about our ancestors is they knew how to dream. They knew how to believe God for something that was greater than they were. And because we have enjoyed the benefits of this country and all the things that we have, we have enjoyed that at the the expense of their dreams, of their vision, of their belief in God. Today I want you to understand that America was not founded on Islam. I was looking for a video today about a mother's love, and I clicked on the first one that popped up, and on the... Screen, when it popped up, it said, I heart Islam with blood running through the letters on a mother's love. Today, I want you to realize that we are where we are as a country because we were founded on a sacrificial love. On a sacrificial love that we are modeled in the pathway of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who laid down His life for us. And parents are willing to lay down their life for their children. One of the things that I, one of the greatest struggles for parents who have lost a child is this thing right here. They were like, why couldn't it have been me? David said that. David said that in the Old Testament when Absalom died. He said, why couldn't it have been me? Why couldn't I have taken his place? Because it's a sacrificial love that we're willing to lay down our life and take the place mother's struggle. A mother's struggle is encouraging children. Encouraging children to believe that they can do more than they believe they're able to do. Today, Moses' mother had a struggle. And it was, am I going to believe what God says? Or am I going to believe what the world says? I can either keep my baby and hold on to him. And if I do that, I know he'll be executed. Or I can place my child in the hands of our father and trust him to see us through. Trust him. You see, one of the greatest struggles for me as a parent and you as a parent, you as a mom, is this. That we feel like many times he's safer in our arms than in God's. The greatest struggle for a parent is to know when do I let go? And when do I let God? When do I let God? When do I let God have the pathway? When do I let God completely take over? The question to that is in the beginning. In the beginning that we would believe God, that we would trust in God, that we would persevere with God. We see that she made this little vessel. And we look here at verses 4 through 4 through 9 it says, and after she made it and sealed it, she placed this little water-bound vessel, this little ark, in, in in the Nile River. And then she sent the sister, his sister, and stood at a distance in order to see what would happen. Now, there's a lot to that statement, what would happen. What would happen? A lot. Do you realize what that sister was waiting to see happen? waiting to see an Egyptian come and find the baby and drown him in that water right there, sink that little vessel. It would have been okay if he did. It was the decree of the government. It was the decree of the government to kill all the little Hebrew male children they found. That was one thing she could have found. I tell you what else she could have witnessed. She could have witnessed... A crocodile in that Nile River coming up there and taking that little basket down. Taking that little baby down. She could have witnessed him sitting there and crying and crying for a long time. The hunger cry of that little baby in that basket. She could have witnessed a lot of things. But you know what she witnessed? She witnessed... Pharaoh's daughter coming down there to take a bath and hearing the baby cry. seeing that little basket, the Bible says. She said, bring it to me. And they looked, and when, when Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses, you know what she saw? The same thing the mother of Moses saw. She saw that look in his eyes, and immediately, immediately, there was a connection. Immediately, there was a connection. For mothers who make a difficult decision of giving children up for adoption, a lot of them, they never look at the at the child. Because they know that if they look into his eyes or her eyes, it changes the whole thing. You see... What the world wants to do is it wants us to keep us from looking in the eyes of our children. It wants us to keep us from believing in the plan that is greater than. What is the plan that is greater than? The plan that is greater than is that if God be for you, then who in the world can be against you? And if you go down on God's side, know this, that He is already victorious and you went down on the fighting side and God will bring you through every ounce of trial, every ounce of, of peril and will... Suffer along with you. What did she see? She saw the daughter of Pharaoh look into his eyes. And immediately she perked up out of those reeds. And ran over to where she was and said, oh my goodness, you found a little Hebrew baby. Do you want me to go get somebody to take care of him for you? To nurse him? Oh yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah, he's crying, he's hungry. What did she do? She runs all the way back. Knocks on the door, runs in the house. Mama, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this, Mama. Pharaoh's daughter found the baby. Found my brother. And she needs somebody to nurse him. Would you come quickly, Mom? That mother took off running. Pulled her little baby out of the hands of Pharaoh. Held her held that son to her breast and nursed him until he was weaned and raised him up. Knowing that one day she would have to go back, and as verse 9 says, turn him back over. Turn him back over. Matter of fact, when we look at this right here, I mean, when we read this passage of Scripture, it says in verse 10, and when the child grew older, she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter and he became whose daughter, whose son, her son Pharaoh's daughter's son and she named him Moses because she drew him out of the water now think about this don't you know she was doing some praying over that baby moms, would it change our parenting strategy If we knew that in so many days, so many months, we had to give that child over and let somebody else it, we'd change our parenting strategy. We'd change the way we pray. We'd change the way we hold them. We'd change the way we love them. So we see in this passage of Scripture the love of a mother, the struggle of a mother, the faith of a mother, but the victory of a mother. You say, preacher, what kind of victory is that? She had to give the baby up. She had to give it up. She had to drop her baby off at the enemy's camp. I'll tell you what kind of victory that was turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23 by faith Moses after he was born was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw the child was beautiful and they didn't fear a king by faith Moses when he had grew up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter would that be a victory? And he said he would choose to suffer with the people of God, rather to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of the world and sin. Would that be a victory? For he considered the reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. Now we're talking about a boy who ran through the palace of Egypt. We're talking about somebody who knew what it was like to have all the cutting edge stuff that Egypt had to offer. We're talking about a boy who was educated at the school of Pharaoh who had the best education in the world. And when he had all the things in the world, he said the thing my mom gave me in those first few years is a greater treasure than all the treasures of Egypt. Would that be considered a victory? I mean go a little bit further right here. By faith, Egypt. He left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as one who sees the invisible. Whoa, whoa, the invisible sees the invisible. Well that would be faith, wouldn't it? Where did he learn that? He didn't have to learn faith living where not anything he ever wanted, all he had to do was snap his fingers and it was there. Where did he learn the principle of faith? I'll tell you where he learned the principle of his faith. When his mother made a little basket of reeds, placed a little water vessel in the Nile River, placed her son in that ark, and pushed him in the direction of the enemy's camp. Oh boy, there's faith. Look at this right here. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith. When he crossed the Red Sea as though He was on dry land when the Egyptians attempting to do so was drowned Where did Moses learn all those things? Not at the school of Pharaoh The school of Pharaoh was the school of prestige The school of power The school of prominence The school of wealth The school of might I'll tell you where he learned them He learned them in Egyptians he learned something that was placed into him as a child as a child as a child And you know what? God nurtured that seed that was placed in him by faith by a mother who said, I'm going to believe God more than I'm going to believe the things of the world. And today I want to encourage you mothers that the only way that you can be that kind of mother is to live a life of no longer I. To live a life of no longer I. I'm not talking about no longer I to yourself so that you do without so you can get your kids the next biggest Xbox or the next nicest car or put them in all these things that the world has to offer. Quit trying to give your child everything that the world has to offer and instill into them the principle that heaven has to offer the principle of faith, the element of faith, the victory of faith, the undying, unwavering love of God you know what our children need today more than anything in the world is to see parents stand on principle, stand on the authority of the word of God you know what your children need? They need you. They need to see mom and dad. They need to see mom and dad suffer long. They need to see mom and dad tell them, we're standing on this scripture. If God delivers delivers us, praise God. If he doesn't, praise God. I remember during the most difficult hours of my life, Knowing that the storm was coming, and knowing what was ahead, and knowing what I was walking into, or better yet, running into. When my children were seven years old, I would go in their bed at night, and I would take the Bible, and I would lay it open. And I would open to Romans 8, 28, which says, is the promise of life, which says, God causes all things. Now, we normally like to gloss over that. Because we want to get to the good side, we want to get to the shouting side We want to get to the side where we can jump up and shout and wave our spiritual pom-poms And say, whoa, 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 that's my scripture that a boy God. Which the end of that scripture says, to work together of the good For the good of all those who love him and are called according to the purpose We love that part We love that part but I am telling you the part that we struggle with is that sometimes God causes things. And every night I'd have them and we'd put our fingers on that verse. And we would pray that verse and I would say, I want you to know something. I don't care what happens in life. I want you to know that God causes it. First of all, don't you be running around. I probably wouldn't use using this preacher voice. <laughs> don't be running around giving the devil credit. For the thing that God has ordered up. Don't you give the devil credit for things he can't pull off. And if the devil is at the center of it, God allowed him to be. I say, I want you to know that it doesn't matter what happens in our life, that God allows it. And then he causes all things every pain, every emotion, every guilt, every fear every defeat, every victory, every single thing, God causes it to work together for the good of those who love Him. And I would look at them and I'd say, do you love God? Do you love Him? Do you love Him? Do you love Him? I'll tell you, that's how you make it. That's how you make it through the storms of life. Now those children are now teenagers. God help me. And it's harder ever than to stand on the principles when the world's pulling at them and the world's saying this is popular, the world's saying this is easy. I mean, it is hard. I mean, there are two things that are popular and cool to be right now. It's trending. One is it's it's popular. It's the end thing to be to 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 uh, unite yourself with same-sex attractions. It's popular. It's trending. It's cool. It's the one thing you can't say anything about in the world today. The other thing is, it's cool to be a Muslim. It's cool to serve a God who says tell you what we need is men and women, boys and girls to rise up and become parents and say, this is what God says. This is his authority. We're going to stand on his word unconditionally with all resolve that we will serve him, we will cling to him, we will rely on him no matter what. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what the president says. I don't care what Congress says. We're going to stand on the authority of the word of God. I've gathered my same daughters together and have said, you need to understand something. That if I don't die and Jesus don't come back, you need to know that you'll probably come see me in jail for preaching the word. Because I am telling you that we are quickly running towards the only sin that everybody is completely unified around is standing on the absolute authority of the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Today we need parents who are willing to get on that bandwagon. You say, well, who will raise my children? That's the element of faith. You know how she got to the shouting side? You know how she got to God caused all things? You know how Moses' mother got to the work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to the purpose. You know how she got there? By placing her son in a little basket made of reeds and pushing him, not just in crocodile-infested waters, but towards the direction of the enemy's camp, knowing that if God didn't provide, her baby was dead. But you know what? She knew that if she kept him, he was dead for sure. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to give them to God. To give them to God. Give them to God. And live a life of no longer I. God, I realize that I am the little little variable in this equation. And you are greater than anything this world has to offer. I don't know if Moses' mother lived long enough to see all those things take place in the book of Hebrews. I doubt it. But you know what? When you get to heaven, you'll have all of eternity to enjoy the shouting side of it. Maybe today, right where you are, you just need God to give you strength. You're struggling. Maybe you've adopted the new strategy of the world of parenting, and that's give them everything that you can to try to be their best friend and appease them. And what they really need you to do is to be the spiritual leader. They need you to be the spiritual leader. Think carefully about the decisions that you make because your children are a product of the factory. I just called you a factory, I know. But if there's a problem with a product, they go look at the assembly line that's producing the product and say, where was the glitch? Where was something out of line? Where was something out of sync? And they put it back in line according to the manual. And when it's all back in place according to the manual, the machine began to produce its product again in the fashion it was created to produce maybe today we need to get the manual and make sure our parenting strategy is lined up with the principle of living a life of no longer I you want to you raise train up great children live a life of no longer I they'll be a product of that model they'll be a product of that model